Welcome to episode three of Criterion on the Couch, a podcast from two amateur film buffs as they make their way through the vast Criterion collection, one title at a time, all from the comfort of the couch. We record each episode immediately after we watch each film, and the film we watch today is Harold and Maude. I'm Adam Murek, and I'm joined by... Jim Massessa. And Jim's going to take us away with the official Criterion description. With the idiosyncratic American fable Harold and Maude, countercultural director Hal Ashby fashioned what would become the cult classic of its era. Working from a script by Colin Higgins, Ashby tells the story of the emotional and romantic bond between a death-obsessed young man, Bud Court, from a wealthy family, and a devil-may-care bohemian octogenarian, Ruth Gordon. Equal parts gallows humor and romantic innocence, Harold and Maud dissolves the line between darkness and light, along with the ones that separate people by class, gender, and age, and it features indelible performances and a remarkable soundtrack by Cat Stevens. Oh, one-take Massessa. That's you. what old Jack Warner used to call him. <laughs> uh, this movie was produced in 1971. It has a runtime of 91 minutes. It's in color, and it's in 1.85 by one aspect ratio. And uh, for those of you following at home with the numbers, this is spine number 608 on the Criterion catalog. Well done. So you, you had, um, Jim, you've, you've seen this movie I before, have. correct? Yeah. A few times. Oh, really? A few times? Yeah, it was up on Netflix, and then it came down, and then it went back up again, and I thought, oh, I should rewatch this just in case they take it down again, and now I have the Criterion version, so this is probably the third or fourth time I've seen it. Oh, nice. Yeah, so this is the first time that I have uh, I've seen this movie. Um, I did watch a lot of Maud, though, when that was on TV, so I have a little backstory. Maud? I don't... You never saw Maud? I know, no, I never right. saw Ma. <clears throat> the joke is lost on Adam because Maud starred B. Arthur as Maud, had that classic theme song, and then there's Maud. Yeah, no, no? yeah, right. you got, you, I'm lost there. <clears throat> Different Maud. Um, Thoughts? Thoughts? I love this movie. Well, of course you. Yeah, you've um, seen it a couple times. I mean, you know, it scratches the funny bone in all the right places. It's a real good <laughs> scratches. Pick me up uh, when you're feeling blue. Uh, is it? Is it not? Uh, it, it, How about we get I your mean, impressions? Because yeah. Okay. So I liked it. I liked it. Um, it's definitely a really dark, dark, dark comedy. comedy. Yeah, yeah dark comedy. Which I, which I have a, I feel like I have a dark sense of humor. So um, it's right up, right up my alley in that sense. Um, but uh, yeah, not a, not a pick me up. Uh, I did think it was a, I did think it was a really good movie. I did like the, um, the cat, the use of Cat Stevens as the, as like the sole soundtrack. Um, there wasn't any other music playing other than them playing a Cat Stevens song or Cat Stevens playing that I noticed. There were actually three other songs that I noticed. Um, oh, really? Nothing, all classical music, though. Three different classical songs. One, uh, Harold puts on right in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Actually, no, yeah. he puts on a Cat Stevens song in the beginning. He does, but I know what you're talking about now, like the song that they play. Um, There's one when his mother's swimming in the pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they were all... Uh, I don't know the name of the one. I just remember it from a uh, Velveeta cheese commercial when I was a kid. <laughs> nice. So Velveeta melts better than cheddar. Dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. No? It was, no, I know that one. No, I don't know I the know name of the song. It. No, it's, yeah. I, it's the Velveeta commercial song. That's Velveeta, how you know Velveeta you've made cheese it. Velveeta commercial song. Yeah, when you're doing yeah. cheese commercials. Um, so I thought, I don't know how you, I mean, I didn't really take note of, and I noticed it, but didn't really, I don't have a lot of really good examples, which isn't really great. But, um, 
I, I liked that. I thought that the Cat Stevens songs were used, especially at the beginning. I think there were a couple lyrics where it was like, let your feelings out, yep. you know, don't be shy. Um, what was I? No one will, uh, no one will know you're there. Um, so I thought that was kind of like right on the nose and hitting in most of these cases where the lyrics were kind of backing up to yeah. what, uh, what the story was saying. Um, especially too, I just having never seen it. I mean, obviously I, just watching him kind of hang himself at first, I actually thought, oh, does he like try to commit suicide here at the very beginning? And then that like leads into it. And then the whole thing's a joke. Um, what? it's pretty, it's pretty twisted. You know, the, even watching it now, I still, I never quite know, like, the the ways he kills himself are so like kind of believable like so he hangs himself and he's hanging so yeah that's a really good like <laughs> the effort that i mean just to be able to do that like he had to have some sort of way to rig up that rope so that he wasn't right. actually killing himself but they don't show any of that so and like uh his mother doesn't see any of that she just she's so desensitized to it now she just knows he's faking it right um the blood all over the bathroom when he like cuts his wrists um then there's when he does uh he lights himself on fire <laughs> yeah that one. i mean I that's like a that commitment one. uh what's that called self immolization self immolation self-burning um drowning in the pool yeah i mean he was holding his breath for quite some time he there. was and then uh the harry carey the, the Harry Carey one was pretty good. You know, so I, when that happened, um, I mean, one, that's pretty good. Like, he has somehow has that knife set up, and it's like, a, it looks really good, and it's, but it's, some, it's a, a prop knife, and then he has the blood. Yeah. Like, he planned that out that well, that he knew she was going to point to that knife and pick it up. And right. Like, that's a little messed up. But then I really thought when he was, when he did that, and that girl was already doing all those dates, that, that he was going to then, like, fall in love with her because she's drops down and like does the performance too or right. i don't know does he finally that's the last time he kills himself or tries like does a fake suicide in the movie i um, think by that point yeah unless you count the car i know no no because he's not he's not doing that for anyone's I, I like you know i think he he's not doing it for anyone's benefit which is kind of funny because the psychiatrist asks him like are you who's right. who are you doing this for or not to her benefit i think he says um but yeah i don't know if that's where he kind of realizes that moment because he's now killed himself a couple times, or pretended to kill himself a couple times, that now he sees somebody else doing it and kind of realizes how ridiculous it is that he's... Yeah, he does kind of pause there. Uh, I, I I don't know. I don't, the, the, uh, I was trying to keep track of how many deaths <laughs> he did. Oh, uh, I think it was three. I, I have, have 4.5. Oh. <laughs> the 0.5 being where he chops his arm off. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, when you describe, if you're describing this as someone who's never seen this movie, they're probably thinking, right. this is like a terribly dark movie, but it, it really isn't. Uh, no, it's not. Cause I think, um, I mean, I think the interesting thing is that he's, you know, like, oh, he goes to, what does he do for fun? Oh, he goes. He oh, goes he to, shot himself too. Can oh yeah. That, that was a good one. Like how, how did he do that? Right. Because it shows blood on his head. Cause even if that was a blank. Yeah, you can kill yourself. Was, you could still kill yourself. Like that, the people die from that all the time. Um, and I even thought that when he shot himself, I saw what looked like blood right. up here on his head. So is it like a paintball gun or something? Yeah. But, uh, I, I, why would you shoot yourself in the head with a paintball gun? That would hurt. Um, yeah. So I think just, it's kind of funny that he goes to, goes to funerals. Um, 
I kind of started to chuckle because I was thinking of the uh, wedding crashers. from wedding crashes. <laughs> yeah. They're like crashing the funeral, and um, I do think it's uh, what's kind of interesting was he kind of he looks over at Maude and sees her, and and there's that expression on his face where he realizes like oh, I'm not the only one who's doing this. Uh, someone else. I think he's kind of like, is she gonna call me out? Or am I gonna get caught for doing this? So I think that was. Uh, I thought that was kind of a funny, kind of funny experience because you don't really see a lot from it. He's just this very like monotone right. voice, and he has this, you know, no expression at all except for when he's doing his fake suicides. Um, hmm. And um, and that's kind of where you see his face kind of turn a little bit to to react to something. That was kind of interesting. Um, and one thing that his mom said was, you know, oh, stop like flitting away your flittling or flitting away your talents. Do we ever really, we never really see any of his talents, do we? Other than he's really good at taking a acetylene torch and taking the back off of what's probably a really nice Jaguar and merging it with a uh, hearse. Yeah. And then painting the car black and making it actually look really good. Yeah, I mean, if you, they kind of give the impression that he did that himself, uh, which would be amazing, especially consider. I don't know, you don't see a lot of super wealthy auto mechanics i don't know mm, unless they own a ton of maybe jay leno but uh I, I don't know that we would classify jay leno as an auto mechanic an auto mechanic car collector i'm sure he can fix a, a car cars. better than i can well yeah uh yeah he doesn't really have any talents he doesn't play any instruments uh yeah he, he, he's not good at chemistry obviously as is revealed um later on yeah and uh, I, you know, I guess, so I kind of had one main question and I'm, cause this, is, this movie came out in 1971. So obviously it takes place 71, still Vietnam war, but obviously it takes, yeah. assuming it takes place in the sixties, late sixties, obviously. Um, and, uh, but how old is he? Yeah. I actually have written here. How old is Harold? Yeah. I have that written too. I was like, cause then, you know, he's talking about, so he's at least 18 because he's talking about being drafted in the military. At some point, his mom tells him it's time for him to get married. So this so movie came out to be in his mid 20s. 40. It came out in 71. We are recording this in 2017. Uh, so that's about 47 years ago, 46 years ago. He's currently the actor uh, is currently 69 years old. So he would have been in his 20s. Right. Um, right. 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 But, I mean, he does look like a child. Uh, he kind of has a baby face. Um, I remember the first time I watched this when his mother says, I think it's time for you to get married. I'm like, is he even out of high school yet? Like, Yeah, I thought he was like slow down. 15 years old. And then he's driving around. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then the art, because, well, I, I, you know, about a quarter way through he goes, um, his mom sends him to his uncle who... <laughs> Funny enough, is was MacArthur's right hand man, and yet and has no his, right hand, no right hand. And then he has a little string to like salute the fold <laughs> of his. Uh, this is just so ridiculous. Um, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't appreciate the bulge. I feel like they could have gotten uh, an actual amputee. To I mean, it part, felt like but... a pretty low budget indie movie to me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I did think it was kind of interesting um, that he talked about how he was. You know, we need more Americans like Nathan Hale, uh, and. You know, this is the, like he was, you know, the type of soldier that we needed. But yeah, he, he pretty much failed his mission, didn't he? I mean, Nathan Hale. I mean, do you know who Nathan Hale? Is? Uh, so Nathan Hale was the first American spy to be killed in action. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
he uh it was during the american revolutionary war he was oh yeah they made that uh, documentary about him on a and e did they oh american revolution no it was called turned turned yeah yeah oh. well so that's but, but that's a non-fiction book that was turned into a dramatic series and yeah it was turned about that Ooh, Ooh. nice nice well done um anyway but uh he, he was hanged for, for that. So it's kind of an interesting... I, th- I just made that note that Nathan Hale, uh, he was hanged for, for being uh, a spy. Yeah, I think all the references they kind of make towards military are very ironic in this. Uh, you know, they're in the car and uh, his uncle's saying how, like, look at every, everything I have, I owe it to the military. And while right. he says it, he's kind of like patting his missing arm. Um, and then while he tries to convince him to join the army, they're walking through, like, the uh, the war hospital and there's people like falling over in the yeah, background. Exactly. And, it's a, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty. It's, um, yeah. I, I kind of wrote down here at this point because I think he's he, he's in this. Uh, I think he had killed himself another time, and I was just trying to like, what is he really trying to prove with this? Is he is he trying to say, oh, I'm suicidal. I'm going to kill myself. Or what what is he really trying to accomplish? Is other than, you know, is he just trying to get his mom's attention? Which after we got to the point, I think when it was the second date, I'm sorry, the first date where the first online date that or online or computer date or whatever it was to get mm-hmm. set up and the girl's talking about, Oh, I had this bro, you know, we had my brother. It was like a character. He was a cut up. I think yes. she says, and, uh, he was like, uh, she, he was like, uh, what the TV and the parts were taken out. So he put his face in and he was doing all the, the mimicking of the news report and such and such. And when Harold comes back in and she freaks out and leaves and she says, oh, she was just telling us about Walter Cronkite. So I, it was like two things. One, either she's, that's just a joke and she's kind of making fun of it. Or two, she's completely misheard everything that that, woman, that girl said and was just thinking, heard the word news broadcast and actually thought she was talking about Walter Cronkite. So I kind of was thinking, you know, my question was, oh, what is he trying to prove? Get his mom's attention. Well, oh, is that, an, is that showing us an example of she doesn't listen to anybody yes. and she doesn't listen to him and that's kind of the whole point i would lean towards towards that rather than making a joke i think she just heard what she wanted to hear uh, right because when she's filling out the dating profile for him she's really filling it out herself she's answering all the questions while he's sitting there playing with the gun and then shoots right. himself in the head she start when she starts it she's actually kind of talking to him right. and says what do you think what do you think and then by the end she's just like well i don't think this and later uh she's also outside in the yard calling for Harold and she's walking around saying, Harold, Harold. And he's obviously sitting in plain view of her playing the banjo. And yet she says, she calls him, I think three times before she actually says, Oh, there you are. Totally oblivious. Like she's only looking and seeing for what she wants to see. Um, but that, that girl, I made a note that first date he goes on, um, her name was candy. Mm -hmm. She was, a little husky mm-hmm. compared to the other girls. She was. And she had an ice cream sundae sewn into her dress. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I felt like that was a literal, that was a little amazing. literal. I don't know what, what they were trying to do with that. but uh, That's pretty funny. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't notice the ice cream sundae. That's pretty I think funny. all of the, the names of all his dates were had like something to do right. with them. What was the second girl? The third girl was The second sunshine. girl was Edith, which, but Edith sold feed... And grain, I, I don't know. That one, I was trying to pick something up with that one. No, I don't think they kept saying there. something about chickens and like, I don't know. She looked a little. But then the last girl was Sunshine Do Ray. 
What's her and last then she name? said her name was Dor. I think that was like that. That's how she pronounced it. She just said, "Oh, it's just Dor." In the credits, it's D O R E with a like apostrophe above it, uh, oh, an okay. accent. So I didn't know if it was like, but she says it Do Re the first time. Right. It's like Do Re Me, uh, or Sunshine Ray, like a ray of sunshine. I don't. I don't know. And she was like the weird hippie. Uh, yeah, I the actri- actress in quotes, I think. Yeah. Was what, it was what she was. Um, back at that first, was it the first funeral? Um, when Harold's like sneaking up to him. Um, she offers him black licorice. Yeah, I noted that. I thought that was kind of funny. Of the type of licorice to have, it's black. Of course it's black. It's, it's perfect. But it, it reminded me that in the first scene where he hangs himself... He sticks his tongue out at his mom and his tongue is completely black. Yeah, that's true. I'm like, was he eating black licorice? Maybe yeah. that's like some weird thing they have in common. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of weird. That's also um, when she talks to him that first time, when Maud talks to Harold, uh, having seen this movie a few times and knowing the ending, um, I picked up that one of the first things she says to him is, I'll be 80 next week. And as they're wheeling the coffin past her, she says something like, um, oh, I heard he was 85 when he died. You know, 75 is too early, but an 85 is too old. So, like, she's already kind of making her statement that, you know, 80 yeah. is 80 is some type of, yeah. like, final thing to her. But Harold doesn't pick up on that. Um, I do. She does say to him what, uh, something that I thought was kind of interesting kind of just like started that their relationship was where she says um like do you sing and dance and he was like no and she's like oh, i thought not and just went on i just thought i just like that but just like that scene what did you think of uh every time harold goes to see his therapist he's wearing the exact same suit oh is he i didn't notice his that therapist oh as his therapist yes that's so that yeah that's pretty funny i didn't i didn't actually catch that uh so yeah, that he sits he sits in a chair right just like his therapist is, there is a a bench there to lay on, but he he does lay on it, but not if, not the first few times we see him there. He mm-hmm. sits the exact same way his therapist does. He dresses the exact same way, and it made me wonder: is he trying to give the impression like, you know, who's really in charge here? Right. Who's, who's analyzing who? Um, yeah. No, I yeah, I didn't notice that. That's pretty funny. Well, you know, and then eventually he's laying on the bench. So I think that's sort yeah, of like the evolution it's, of it's that. It's after the first time he meets Maud, then he's laying down um, the next time we see him at the therapist. So I think, I don't know. Um, so I noticed this and I don't, uh, and I've never really heard it talked about, at least when I've heard people talk about this movie. Maybe I'd, I mean, I've never seen it before and haven't really read a lot about it, but just people referencing and things like that. Um, but no one ever talks about the fact that she was a Holocaust survivor. Yeah. Did you catch that? And I think that really explains a lot, um, especially when she talks about the umbrella and, you know, oh, he says, like, what was the umbrella for? And, you know, she used it in her protests. And, right. and he asked her, she's like, oh, well, I just stopped fighting a long time ago. Uh, and she talked about her husband and obviously her husband died. I would have, we could assume that he died in the, Hol- in the Holocaust. I guess if she's 80, it's 1960, that would have been... Or, yeah, so yeah, yeah, thirty years or so. Definitely in the war in some way because she's also talking about like. Well, there's no. I mean, always wanting to have married a soldier. Um, when she she says something about like, um, I don't miss the kingdoms, but the kings. I miss the kings, and then she starts talking about like, the old days, and that's when she talks about her husband. I, I, 
the audio got very quiet there in the movie. It was kind of hard to hear what she was saying. Um, uh, just a note, we watched the original mono audio to get the true uh, experience. The, the Criterion Blu-ray that we have here does have it in stereo as well, but uh, our audio buff... <laughs> hey, you're gonna have to watch it the the way that it would have would have been shown in theaters. Let's face it. It got a little quiet at, at some spots. Um, yeah, no, I just thought that was kind of. I thought that kind of formed informed a lot as to especially her entire outlook on life because she is completely insane. Um, one, how did she steal all those cars that easily? I mean, well, it was the '70s. So everyone just left their keys in the car, and the cars weren't running. Is it that easy to hotwire a car? <laughs> I mean, she just, that one scene, she just gets into, what was it, like a Ford Mustang and yeah. just drives away in it. And I mean, it doesn't seem like anybody locked their I, it's doors. It's a movie, either, obviously. But, well, yeah. it was the 70s. Why would you lock your doors? Um, I, what was I, I um, yeah, so he, he gets, so he has his, he buys a hearse yep. as he drives around. Then his mom gets rid of that yep. and buys him a Jaguar and then he merges the two together. Um, and Mont steals his hearse at the, at the one part. And she steals, I think, two other cars. Um, and I think I, would just, I just love the part where she's just driving down that highway with the tree. She sees that tree and she wants to save it. It's dying. You know, she had mentioned earlier that she, she likes to watch things grow. Right. right. Um, and, uh, and sees this dead tree and they steal, steal it. And put it in the back of this, like, what was it like a hatchback or not a hatchback? Or a, it was a El Camino. El kinda. Camino, yeah. And um, they called it a truck, but. Uh. So the cop, like, chases her down, and then she's just, like, driving in circles, and he's, like, uh, you know, going, um, kind of going crazy, just trying to, like, keep up with her. Literally just driving circles around the cop just to confuse the hell out of him. Um, but I thought that was, I thought that was sort of that classic, like, you know, bumbling cop who can't keep track of this old lady and then she ends up stealing his ends up stealing his motorcycle at the right. end which i kind so of feel like i vehicle. saw coming um which the motorcycle will be easy to steal he would have left the keys and stuff in, in the car but um and they had the keys to the car so he couldn't chase them exactly but this is what's most interesting so who is this who, cop who the because cop is, i have no idea uh, it's tom scarrett tom scarrett top gun viper ah so in the movie, he's credited as M. Borman, but that's Tom Skerritt. I did look it up on Wouldn't IMDb. Would he be much older? No. That was like one of the... He was in a handful of movies. Interestingly enough, according to IMDb, both Tom Skerritt and... Um, Tom Selleck? No. Uh, no. Uh, uh, Bob uh, Bob Court were both in the movie MASH, which I haven't seen, but ah, um, yeah, they both were in that movie. movie uh, so an interesting little fact there, a little uh, connection between the two actors. But yeah, I, just, I heard... Mash, him, Features the theme song claiming that suicide Ooh, yeah. is painless. Yeah. Is that the words? Yeah. And this movie is... That's perfect. Oh, look at that. Man. You probably got typecast, and maybe that's why... Yeah, he got kind of typecast as like a depressed uh, depressed person. You know, he doesn't... He, uh, I thought about the suicide in this movie. He's, he never re- he's not trying to kill himself. That's he's true. He's staging suicides. It's not like he's actually hurting himself. He's he's like playing dress up. He's pretending. Yeah. So it's not that he really. You can make the argument he doesn't really want to die. He's not trying to hurt himself. He's trying. He's trying to get attention. He's trying to make it look like he killed himself. Yeah, and that that's kind of still going back to like what's his deal? Like, is he really depressed? 
Um, does he just, uh, you know, as I said, was we just talking about, is it really just a matter of getting his mom's attention? What, what's, what's his end goal here with a lot of this? And what's he trying? I know, I think, um, was it, uh, Mata who talks to him and he's like, oh, I haven't lived, but I've died a few times. As Harold yeah. says that. Um, obviously it's a reference to all of them, you know, committing suicide, you know, staged suicides. But I also wonder too, like, is he also talking about like, you know, things that has happened in his life that we don't know about, that we never see, that he never talks about, where, you know, you, the idea of, like, oh, he died a little bit inside. Um, mm. Is maybe did something else happen? Because we, where's his father? We don't really right. get that issue. And, um, you know, even when the, the sunshine, that his third date is in the house, and she's like, oh, is this your father? Oh, no, no, that's my uncle. There's, so there's not a picture of his father in there. And um, I'm assuming that that's his mother's brother. Yeah, he has not, a different last name. Right. So, uh, yeah, I just wonder, too, like, what's that? You know, yeah, and, and, and his mother is, is really, like, I mean, we see that right away from the beginning where she's about, you know, just kind of so casually walks in. As he's hanging there, obviously, she's seen that him doing this well. But even at dinner, she just, like, completely ignores him, and it's like, eat your beats. And he just, like, scarfs him down, and, like, that's it. And um, I know we even see her, like, take her wig off. So she's very much into um, this, like, high society type thing yes. and keeping up her appearances and... Uh, uh, like, oh, you can't have that hearse, Harold. You have to have this Jaguar because this is the type of car you're supposed to have. You're supposed to be married, so I'm going to make sure you're married. You're supposed to have a job, so I'm going to get you in the army. It's this just constant, constant stuff. Uh, I, I do think it would, an interesting movie would be uh, like, what was Harold like as a kid? Like, uh, that, that beginning story of what got him to that. Yeah, I think to that they point. made that movie. It was called The Omen. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he kind of looks like that, that kid, Damien. Um, yeah, you know, going back to, you were talking about the, the tree in the, the car. That's kind of like a good uh, analogy for a story. So like Maud, she's, she likes to watch, what did she say? I like to watch things grow. Yes. Or, and she sees this tree that is like trapped and dying and she wants to free it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what she does with Harold. Like she sees him kind of trapped in this life. He's like, he's slowly dying. Uh, and she frees him, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. Very good allegory. I would say. Although while she was transplanting that tree and they look back at it, there's like two branches left. Yeah. Cause she's been ripping down the highway. The tree's like bent halfway over. Well, I don't know that it keeps going though, because if you, you could even say that the, the, the tree is mod that just, gonna barrel down the highway of life and there's only a couple branches left on her and she just decides to yeah. to end it i guess you say plant herself in the ground would you if you was dead yeah buried? yeah so, kind of like a subtle subtle See, metaphor there you referred to her as crazy earlier uh, insane was the actual insane word, yeah. i would say she's that wasn't fair to say that she was insane i think right. that she's um, free she says something about like not crazy not caring yeah what no, people yeah. think of you and that's that's really what she does. Like she just doesn't care. She does. What yeah, she, she does. You know what? Uh, there was one thing I, I wrote down that I liked where she says, uh, um, "Where is it here? Um, Everyone has a right to make an ass out of themselves." And right. I think that sort of she's like that's her personal motto. Um, and you know, don't. What is that? There's that that Irish like dance like no one is watching and do all that type of stuff. You know, mm. that Irish proverb or whatever. I've seen people. The people always quote that. Um, and I feel like that's sort of her you know, encapsulates her perfectly. And rightly so, if she was a Holocaust survivor and then she's just, you right. know, she's seen the worst of the worst. 
um, and had a horrible traumatic experience earlier in her life and then she just kind of lives freely like what's stealing a car when she's lived through um, you know something that horrible what's just going out and doing whatever you want and right she really is free like everything she had was kind of taken from her early on in life and now like there's there's nothing else to hold her back at this point uh, and I think another going along with that freedom you know most people live with that sense of I mean not outright but you know death wondering you know what's going to happen in life where am I going to end up Maud knows when her death is she has it planned so she's yep. free of that worry of when am I going to die what's it going to be like she doesn't have to think about that she knows when it is, it's already planned out, so she doesn't have to think. She can just be free to live, not worrying about death. Right. Booyah. If you want to sing out, sing out. If yeah. you want to be free, be free. That song is played at least three separate times yep. in the movie. They play it on the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, Maude plays it on the piano. Maude I think. plays it on Well, the- does she play it on the piano, or is she actually <laughs> sitting at the piano and it's playing a record? I thought that was funny, because she gets up, and I was like, oh, that was good. I like that. that and it's still She gets playing. up, and it's still playing, and the keys aren't. So it wasn't a player piano. Right. It was playing on some sort of recording. So I, just, that was, I thought that was funny. And she's like, what else do you want to play? And she sits back down at the piano, but it's not going to be anything else. She's not playing. <laughs> she's not actually playing the piano. Yeah, I don't I don't know. That was a, That's one of those... This movie had a lot of little weird things like that, when I'm like, this... Like, is this supposed to be serious at this point? Or is it just, like, is the audience experiencing this song? Or are they really experiencing it? I don't know what's happening. Um, So that was the first time. They played again uh, when they're outside having their kind of picnic. I think it was the same time she said everyone's free to make an ass out of themselves. I think it was that scene. Um, So that song's playing in the background again. And then at the very end of the movie, Harold's playing that song on the banjo. And then we get the full song as the credits start to roll. Uh, so I'd say, if anything, that to me, that's always the theme song of this movie. For sure, um, yeah. I whenever I hear that song, it always reminds me of this. Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing that everyone talks about in this movie uh, is that they sleep with each other. Like, that they have that, like, you know, they, they have, like, a... Well, I think it's, it's pretty well implied that that's what happens. Um, Are you referring to the bursting fireworks or the bursting fireworks or the herring bubbling, blowing bubbles in bed? And he obviously has no shirt on and mods in there. And she obviously doesn't have any clothes on either. Yeah. yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think that's what's always talked about in this movie is that that, oh, it was this young guy who, again, I came into this movie. And when I see Harold, we talked about how old is he? I thought he was in high school. Right. And when I have heard about this movie, uh, I had always imagined him being a younger kid with this 80 year old woman and it's this torrid relationship between them but it's really not like he could be 25 and she's 80 obviously that's still out of social norms but it's not illegal or in like super twisted in any way yeah uh and i yeah i think it's funny (laughs) when we went through i think it was the was the psychiatrist um his his uncle um and the priest kind of giving their opinions the priest was really weird when he's like you're young firm body right and they were like slow zoom in and i'm just like this is so right so creepy like is he enjoying this or yeah uh, he was really he was kind of breaking a sweat there like that was that was really creepy kind of zoomed in on his comb over yeah but again i i I just saw that and i was just kind of like uh like you know okay whatever it's sort of it is what it is i mean he could be 30 years old you know like again still didn't 
to what we would think odd, but it's not like he's 15 years old and he's that she committed some sort of crime. And, you know, I feel like they don't, that age gap is not a focus of the movie. Like it, it, it was really only addressed for a very brief period of time towards the end of the movie. Um, like he never brings it up. She never brings it up. No one that ever they, that they interact with ever mentions it until he says he wants to marry her. And that's when it, you know, it's addressed in the synopsis. They talk about like age Right, as like right. one of the issues being addressed here. I don't really feel like it is. No. It's mentioned, but it's not like nobody's dealing with it. Nobody's saying like, he doesn't even say like the age doesn't matter. Like it's not even. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what I think it's, what I also liked about this movie is that it's kind of the opposite of what you see. Uh, I think of like the movie Finding Forrester. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen Fighting Forrester? Yeah. So the, in that movie, you have a young... I have not. Oh. <laughs> uh, so in that movie, you have Sean, Con- Sean Connery's character, who's this recluse author. And then you have... Um, I, I can't remember the actor's oh, name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But his name's Jamal in the movie. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but, but again, and I feel like that's a standard story we've seen time and time again, where a younger person right. pulls this older person out of a rut and kind of gets them to be have experience life again and have fun and this is the exact opposite of that where you have an 80 year old woman taking a younger guy and Mm. who's kind of depressed stuck in a rut in his life and completely turning him on his head and taking him out and doing all these crazy insane things and at the end of it he's playing a banjo and skipping around in the field so it's um i think kermit the frog style exactly exactly um but I think that was what's really what I really liked about this movie is it kind of just flipped that. And I, I I feel like there's I'm sure there's probably been films after this that have sort of been the you know a take on Harold and Maude and tried mm-hmm. to do it. But for me, I think the standard stereotype is that older person stuck in the right, younger person comes in, brings them out of their, brings them out of that, and kind of reconnects them with their life. Where you know uh, uh, Maude's showing how all that there is out there for him to enjoy that he didn't really even notice before the flowers and right. and all that type of stuff um and he falls in love with her and i think at the end you know he's like oh but i'm in love with you and um and she says well she's like oh that's great but go and love some more i think yeah you know again it all comes back to her you know life experience and you know thinking about the fact that of what she went through and she lost her husband and um presumably didn't you know, marry anybody again. Uh, and, you know, what are you doing with your life? You don't, you're just kind of sitting around, not doing anything, like go experience it, do stuff. So Yeah, nothing she, nothing in her life seems like it's a, uh, there's no like end point. Everything is like a transition or uh, like, you know, in, for most people, they have these big events like getting married or, you know, you fall in love with that one person or you're like getting this job or buying this car. And she right. doesn't have any of that. She just moves through. Um, so when. Well, but she's already been through all that. Stuff. She has. She's at the end of that story. And um, but the story she tells of her life kind of make it sound like she was always sort of a free spirit, uh, just you know, living life and true. she created these weird inventions and, you know, sculpted wooden f- freaky looking. C- can we talk about that wooden, wooden, yeah. what was going on? 
I felt like that was symbolic. Yes. Okay. I think it's obviously supposed to be a part of the female anatomy. Yeah, uh, totally was. <laughs> so that was. I mean, that's the. Uh, I think that point in the movie is when you first start to wonder. Wait, where is their relationship going? Because up until then, it's kind of. It could just be an older person and a younger person. Right, a friendship. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which it still is, but yeah, to go into... But that's when she starts asking uh, They're friends with benefits. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm wondering about... So the age thing, you were saying how this kind of turns the classic trope on its head. It's almost the same with the actors, because like, think of something like 90210, where you have older people... (laughs) playing younger parts right and he is i mean he looks younger than he's supposed to be uh i don't know it's another one of those like weird opposite things it kind of just makes me wonder did they purposely pick him for this part because he looked so young yeah because he has like a baby face right you wouldn't want somebody who was his actual age they might look older especially right i don't know in Hollywood. Yeah, no, I mean, makes sense. Makes sense to me. Uh, yeah. Did you notice that Jaguar had three windshield wipers? Yeah, that was actually kind of awesome. Yeah, that was pretty badass. I wish. I don't think I've ever seen a car that had... I've seen cars that have one windshield wiper, but not three. Yeah, yeah, one. Definitely one. Uh, just made me wonder, is there a way I could work a third windshield wiper onto my car? Uh, why would you want to do that? Because, you know, people lower their cars, they put big rims on it, but everybody does that. How many people have a third windshield wiper? Not many. Harold did. I'm saying, if I did that, you know, it'd be pretty impressive. Yeah. Good one, Jim. <laughs> Solid. Solid stuff right there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Did you have, uh, did you have anything else here? No, I mean, that's, that's mainly all the notes I wrote down, uh. I don't know. The, to me, the audio is as much a part of this movie as the movie itself. Agreed. Um, feel like you mean the soundtrack? Yeah. Yeah. The, all the Cat Stevens song. I think it's very strange. You don't. This doesn't happen very much nowadays, where a single artist does an entire. I mean, there's definitely movies where a single artist does the soundtrack. I think of. Um, What's his name? Green Greenwood? Who's the guy from... Uh, Lee Greenwood? From Radiohead? No. Who's the guy from Radiohead? John? Oh, um... Uh, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Well, he, uh, Trent Reznor does the stuff. Yeah. But he's more of a... But I wouldn't consider him to be like a Cat Stevens. Uh, he, he's, he was writing the score. Um, the only other one I can think of is, so I have two, two things I can remember. One's going to be pretty funny. The first one is the movie Dan in real life Yeah. with, uh, Steve Carell and Sandra Lurch does all of that and he sings on it and I, he is, he's technically, he's not a very, he's not like a Cat Stevens level artist in terms of fame, but he does have like a, an actual solo career that he does his own music and like has a band. Um, but he writes, it's all of his work and he sings original songs in that as like part of the film Ah. um the other one i could think of was the movie working girl with sigourney weaver harrison ford and melanie griffith and it's actually what's what i actually really really like about that movie is that it's not just one artist 
but it's one song played through that whole movie in so many different arrangements and orchestrations and it's um the uh oh crap what's her name um uh carly simon it's the carly simon song um let the river run oh yeah and they do it with like a full orchestra playing like it's softly like parts of the song and there's like an organ playing it in certain scenes and i actually think that's one of the most underrated things about that movie that Mm. They had a, they took one song and that one song is the whole soundtrack of the movie in different ways. And I, so you know, I highly recommend that. I highly recommend going and watching with the movie Working Girl. One, it's actually pretty funny. Um, and two, just so one, you could see all the ridiculous hair. Um, what's her name? Um, Joan um, Cusack has like the most ridiculous hairstyle in that movie. Um, and, and she's actually pretty funny. Her like so much makeup and her character is really good. But just to just that. Um, well, listen to the song first, so you get you 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 would understand yep. uh, the the you know the musical no- notation of it, and then go watch Working Girl and listen to listen for it. Uh, I think you'll uh, think you'll be quite surprised and impressed. Um, the greatest movie of all time also did that uh, one song throughout the entire movie. Rage of the Lost Ark did that. Uh, uh, I think you're a little. Long. A little off. Um, oh, oh, uh, you're talking about the movie Real Genius with uh, Val Kilmer. <laughs> Yes, I was. That's actually. easily one of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, that was the largest popcorn bowl yes. ever featured in a movie. Uh, that should really be a Criterion Collection movie just so we can watch it and do a whole episode on it. That, I love that movie. I would be surprised that became... That'd be right after War Games. Um, yeah, that's a good movie. Uh, no, the movie Melancholia. Perhaps you've heard of it. By that is not the greatest Lawrence movie of Montreal. all time. I have seen Melancholia, yeah. The only song, I, I believe the only song in that entire movie's soundtrack is uh tristan and Isolde by wagner uh mm, yeah no i wouldn't have known that song and wouldn't have noticed that, in that movie. they do i think like the eight or nine minute version as opposed to like the no oh, of course 40 yeah, some minute opera um but they're just yeah. doing the opening um over and over again hmm. but uh before i was referring to uh johnny greenwood of radiohead uh he does the there will be blood soundtrack but he's not you know, they're not singing. He he produced the soundtrack. He made that soundtrack, uh, which is mostly noises. Uh, if you're right, that's similar to like a Trent Reznor. Yeah, um, a lot of like clicks and bangs. Um, right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I kind of liked having that one reoccurring theme uh, throughout this movie being the music. Um, especially this is not a long movie. Uh, you know, it's 91 minutes. And it, I mean, it kind of flew right by for me. I don't know if I just, yeah, yeah no, it's movie I, so much, but it, I feel like the movie, short. having all that music, um, consistently going through with the same voice, it's just like listening to an album, you know, before you know it, it's over. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, it is pretty, it is true. And then I think there was only like five or four, four or five different Cat Stevens songs, if that. In yeah. The, in the film. It wasn't very They many. repeat a couple of them. Um, the yeah. other one, I think they play a few times. Uh, uh, can't remember that one, but uh, it's another one about like moving on. Kind of in the middle. They do that one a few times, but it's uh, yeah, one of my more enjoyable movies. Uh, for those kids who aren't as familiar with Cat Stevens, you might be familiar with his son, Suvian Stevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, who I believe did a bunch of songs on Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, yeah. I think one of his more famous songs, Chicago, 
uh, was on that soundtrack. Um, so runs in the family. Check it out. I think uh, I think we're pretty much done. Yeah, no, no. I think that uh, pretty much sums it up. I, that was a really, uh, I really enjoyed that movie. I'm glad, uh, glad we uh, we chose to watch that one. It's been on my list for a really long time, and for whatever reason, it's Cross funny. That I, bad I, boy I off. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, there were times where I thought I, bef- I thought the movie was going to be much darker, and that it was much that it was much more of a drama than a dark comedy. So and I kind of regret not watching and it was all downhill. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of regret not watching it sooner. I think I, um, I definitely enjoyed it. So. You only uh, weren't watching it because you thought it was going to be dark? No, I think at the times, like if I was sitting down and th- I can think of at least one time where I sat down and I was like, oh, Harold Amon is on Netflix or Harold Amon was on HBO. And I'm like, oh yeah, I should really watch that movie. And I'm like, ah, I don't really feel like watching a depressing movie about some kid who's obsessed with the death. And then sleeps with some eighty-year-old. So, and I like, I was just like, ah, I'll just watch something else. So I think that's the instance in which it was. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sitting here watching this. And I'm like, how have I not watched this movie? Like, why didn't I? This is so much better than I ever thought it was going to be. Um, and the fact that I really thought it was like a fifteen-year-old and eighty-year-old woman just doing it the whole time <laughs> and talking about death. And so it turned out to not be like that at all. And yeah. Be, be a really good, really good, really good film. So. I was right. on a uh, '70s movie kick for a while. Oh uh, yeah, a couple years ago, that's, and and this that's was, a good kick to be on. There's some solid '70s movies. You know what? Uh, another good movie. Uh, I don't think it's. I'm pretty sure it's not a Criterion Collection movie. Um, Butterflies are free. Uh, no, I've never heard of that. Starring a very young Goldie Hawn, um, oh. who falls in love with a blind kid, uh, and uh, it's a it's a little heavy handed sometimes on like the trying to push the message of you thought I couldn't do anything because I was blind. Ah, yeah. Um, which I appreciate that in this movie, they didn't go to any great lengths to be like, we can't fall in love because she's old. <laughs> like, no, nobody. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Good stuff uh, though. Yeah, no, great movie. Um, all right. So that wraps up episode three of criterion on the couch. Uh, next time we're going to be watching Brazil. Ooh. So, uh, you'll have to tune in for that. Uh, that's a favorite movie of Jim's. Again, another movie I have I haven't seen, so I'm looking forward to watching that. So we will uh, we will catch you then. It's so. a comedy too, so we're gonna. Yeah, this was a dark comedy, but I think we haven't really gotten into anything funny yet. So that's uh, pur- yeah, purposely funny. Purposely funny. Say. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Um, you can check us out on uh, CriterionOnTheCouch.com, and. Yeah. I think that's it. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and all the other. Subscribe on iTunes. Tell your friends. Stitcher. Do it all. Alrighty. See you next time. Goodbye.